You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. Hey everyone, this is Candace and Cher with Processing Trauma Out Loud. Cher, we're back to further the discussion that we started last week on what does it mean to have a victim mindset? The conversation last week was a lot and we're aware of that. And so what we wanted to do this week was just kind of slow down and break it down. But before we do that, we really want to highlight that if you go do a Google research or a Google search on, on victim mentality, it, it's going to be negative because if you have a victim mindset, it does hinder you from truly moving forward in your power, in your hope, in your voice in life. We don't want that for anyone, nor do we want it for ourselves. And that's why we finally got help. But we also want to name that many, many people aren't getting help because there's so much shame around the way the victim mentality shows up and the way that it's being confronted. You're not going to go get help on something that you're afraid to confess that you see, oh yeah, I have these traits, if you're going to be shamed for it. Yeah. And I think everything about the victim mindset is, is revolves around lack of safety and healing is really about coming to this place where I feel safe in my own skin, where the ways that I show up in life are because I feel safe or that when I feel unsafe, I have resources that I can reach for. What we're talking about here and why we feel like this topic is so important is because everybody who has been victimized is going to have a victim mindset unless you have intentionally brought healing. And and even then it's going to be ongoing. So we want to kind of normalize it in the sense of saying, of course, of course you have a victim mindset. Look at the ways you were victimized. But what we want to really bring up today is that the ways that this shows up in our lives externally can be very different from the person next to us. But the ways that we are impacted internally are really important to recognize. And so we want to just talk a little bit about what are some of the characteristics that a person with a victim mindset, what is going to, what are we going to feel? internally, what's going to, what are some of the messages that are going to resound within that then are going to result in our chosen ways of behaving, which can look very differently. And I want to just say, you know, what are we going to believe? Like, what do we really believe? Because we can say all the right things. We can have mantras, positive affirmations, positive reframes, whatever, but our body does not lie. If we're saying all these things, but we have not truly healed at a body level, we actually can go into further despair because the positive affirmations aren't working. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I just want to say that before you read specifically some of the ways that we struggle internally with the victim mindset. Yeah. Just some of the characteristics that you would think of when you think of someone with a victim mindset. And again, I want to emphasize, we are talking here about this is what you will sense internally, and it can look very different 
through behaviors. It's when we feel that sense of we are blaming others or external circumstance for our personal struggles, blaming others, feeling powerless to change anything and expecting others to solve the problem, viewing self as flawed and broken, recurring patterns of self-pity and pessimism, helplessness and passivity and powerlessness. When these senses, messages, beliefs flare up within us, it's the result of the fact that we have a victim mindset. And we have the victim mindset because we have experienced victimization once or probably many, many, many times in ways that brought harm. These characteristics flare up inside of us. And then that leads to us responding and behaving in the ways that work for us. Yeah. And so the way we present, and and that's why, you know, there's kind of one group of people that can almost be applauded, you know, well, I know all that happened to you, but ma'am, look at you. I mean, my, you know, one of my psychology professors, you know, he was the first person I ever told that I had been sexually abused. He goes, oh, well, you're doing good. I mean, I'm in college, I'm getting my degree in psychology and it kind of really fostered like, Ooh, you don't want to have a victim mentality. You need to look, you need to do good. I presented more capable, competent, make sure you keep all your shit together because having a victim mentality, it's just going to bring more shame into your life. Yeah. And, and others present in more of, I want to say more of a deflated way. Woe is me. Everything's bad all the time, self-pity. I'm not saying these out of shame or judgment even. I'm There's so much pain in both ways that we present and everything in between, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. But what you're saying, Sharon, what you named, regardless of how we are presenting, you named the internal struggles and battles that someone is experiencing within themselves. And that the behavior that results is probably going to come primarily out of What happens with the topic of arousal in our body, which is what we talked about in the previous, you know, a few, a couple of weeks ago. If we go into hyper arousal, we're going to respond a certain way. If we go into hypo arousal, we're going to respond certain ways. The the behavior is not as important to this conversation today as the fact of the internal battle that we experience when we have encountered powerlessness, helplessness, and hopelessness in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we want to say that because of the way we feel like culture has, you know, the way they're showing up in this actually does not move people towards getting the help that they need when they have a victim mindset. It actually is causing people to go into further hiding. And and that's why we're doing this. We we just want to put our thoughts out there like, oh, we think there could be a better way of helping people move towards getting the help that they need when they feel trapped in a victim mentality. I think what we want to do too a little bit before we close out today is just kind of talk about a few things that cause, you know, what can cause someone, I mean, we've named it very clearly. At one point you have experienced being a a victim. You were helpless, you were hopeless, and you were powerless. What are some other ways that either can cause it or perpetuate it? Of course, past trauma. 
We, we, that's what we talk about all the time here. It can also be a learned behavior. Maybe you have a parent who carried the victim mentality or, or a grandparent and you saw that and maybe you saw that you learned probably innately at a very young age that people around them responded in certain ways to that and that behavior seemed normal. And then maybe at some point later in life, you you began to understand that, oh, this isn't so socially acceptable. And then how do I hide that or how do I cope with that? Sure, it, I want to add to that. Not only did you learn it innately, if you saw some type of reward for having it, Without going into the details of it, there, there can be, you can get something out of it. It's not actually what you need and it doesn't heal you. There are some things that you can get out of having it. If if that wasn't the case, it wouldn't be a huge issue. This, and it was interesting. A, a couple of weeks ago, I, I said, I, I was talking to somebody about, you know, the, the whole thing with the victim mentality and, you know, nobody likes to have a victim mentality and blah, blah, blah. And the person kind of was taken aback and said, like, I feel like our whole society re- right now is just so wrapped up in everyone feels at some level like they are experiencing victimization. And it really, it kind of took me aback a little bit because I think there's a lot of truth in that, that being victimized and holding that can also bring rewards, though we wouldn't, we don't like to call them rewards, but we can get something that we desire as a result. And that can look in many, many, many different kinds of ways. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because there are things in our society that are hurting people. Yeah. The the difference between who we are as adults is that we're not hopeless, helpless, and powerless anymore. There's ways that we can confront that, that we do have some sense of agency. And I know that that's not even proportionately across everyone, but there, there are resources for everyone. But for a child, that just wasn't true at all. Those experiences will build in the person a a sense of low self-worth, a lack of personal accountability, a desire for somebody to come in and take care or rescue. Just sounds kind of lame to say this, but it's just the way it is that if we experience victimization, we're going to show up in ways, unless we have experienced healing, we are going to show up in some of these ways. And what do we want to do about that then? You know, whether it's me seeing it in myself or seeing it in somebody that I care about, like how do we begin to turn toward ourselves or others in a way that is going to draw toward finding help and healing and building resources rather than judging and condemning? I heard a lady say on a podcast today, she said, we don't have control over how life can change, but we do have some control over how we respond to how life changes. And where that's taking me is as a child, we did not have any sense of empowerment. Okay. And if, and and until we heal that, we still feel like we don't have any sense of control or agency over the changes that happen in life. In the context of what she was saying is like changes like maybe a world event or a divorce or a boss that's not mean. It can be lots of different things. And so what we're talking about is when you say lack of personal accountability, 
it's, it's helping the person like, okay, well, let's just look at the tools that you do have access to now. Which just feels so important. And it's, 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 that's what we need in those moments is somebody who can meet us there. Because when we get activated, when something happens, and we again, have that deep down inside sense of, oh, something bad is happening, and I feel powerless, we will go into our automatic places of hypoarousal or hyperarousal. And this is led by what is embodied. When the sensations go through our body, it goes in through our brainstem into our limbic brain, and we will do the same things over and over. And I'm going to just say again, and we talked about this a little bit last week, and it just feels so important to me, holding our experiences of harm and holding our experiences of being victimized, holding them in secret places and in isolation is just so painful and it is so hard. And I just want to invite our listeners, if you know you have stories of harm that you have never shared or stories of victimization that you have just kept to yourself, I invite you to find a place, to find a person, a coach or a therapist who is trauma-informed, who can meet you there as we talked about last week, who can see you in these places of harm and shame and, and bring their gaze of love where they can hold you for a time and space without turning away, where you can begin to open to the possibility that this thing that has held you in chains and in bondage for decades, perhaps, it does not have to continue to control you and dictate your responses. But what is required is finding someone who knows how to be there with you and hear your story and help you process through it. So important. Yeah. I want to invite, further invite that Share and I, if you reach out to us at Candice Share at gmail.com. K-A-N-D-A-C-E-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. We will point you to organizations and people who we know can meet you in these deep places of maybe isolation or the fear of anyone knowing or seeing your stories. And Sherry, you mentioned this on our first episode, whether those are stories of you being harmed or the way that you know that you've harmed other people. We can guide you in the right direction with people that we know and we trust. And oh man, I'm swinging it back around to like this desire that we have, like we want to see the whole world healed. We do. Yeah, absolutely. I will say this to give hope to our listeners. Like we are seeing people find healing. People who have been stuck for a long, long time, not just us, but others too, who are walking the path and doing the work and finding healing and freedom in their lives that they never thought that they would get to. And it's, it's the most beautiful thing. Oh, sure. That, I, that's, that's bringing something up in me that I need to say. There may be people who are benefiting from you having a victim mentality. And what I want to say is, this has to be another episode now, but if you have lived with a victim mindset mentality, there is a role that you've played 
in a system, in a family, in your group. And when you begin to move out of that and experience your healing, your empowerment, people have to decide around you what that's going to be like when you are not in that victim mindset anymore. It yeah. can be painful and, you know, it, it disrupts when, when you finally gain the confidence internally that you can take responsibility and you can name things more clearly and you begin using your voice, you begin showing up with hope, you begin showing up with good power, there will be an adjustment period. And sometimes that's not always easy, but there are people who can walk with you through that because many of us have walked through that. Yeah. And I'll just say it, it might look like asking for what you need, or it might look like setting a boundary. And these are things that we've been talking about <laughs> recently. It will disrupt your world in some ways that where disruption is needed. Yeah. I'm glad you said where disruption is needed. And if you have stories that disruption means danger or rejection or losing your connections, oh my gosh, like we have so much understanding and compassion. And yet there is such a thing called good disruption. Yeah. Yeah. Good to be with Uh, you. You too, Candice. Lots of good stuff here. And thank you for the hard work that you have done that Mm -hmm. enables both both of us that that enables us to have these conversations that you know I love bringing this to our our listeners but it's it's good for us too like I I feel like there's so much that I'm absorbing as we're having this discussion so thank you you're very welcome thank you and I'll just say that's so true for me too yeah Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. One last thing. If you have found this podcast helpful in any way, or if you have questions on how to take the next steps on your healing journey, please reach out to us via email at CandiceShare at gmail.com. That's K-A-N-D-A-C-E-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. Our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Story LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.